All right, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 3 and Revelation 20, uh, or flip to it, uh, or you can follow along on version. My notes are on version now, and you can actually make notes in there if you want. So 1 Corinthians 3 is one of the scriptures we'll be in. You know, we'll, we'll have about 20-something scriptures. And Revelation 20, later in the message then. We're in a series uh, called Eternity, Your Choice. And I want to emphasize to you that it is your choice where you spend eternity. God gave you a free will. We talked about that last weekend. He's not going to override your will before you get saved or, by the way, after you get saved. Even after you come to Christ, you have a choice as whether you're going to live for Christ or not or continue down the wrong lifestyle. So um, the other thing I want you to know is, as I say, it is your choice, and we talked about that last weekend, whosoever will. This weekend, I want to talk about where and how. In other words, where you spend eternity is your choice, and how you spend eternity is your choice. Now, we're saved by grace and grace alone, but there are a whole bunch of scriptures on being judged for our works in the Bible. So how do you marry the two? Many believers think, well, once you get saved, then your works aren't judged anymore. But please hear me, your works are still judged, but you're not saved by your works, you're saved by grace. So I'm gonna show you today how to marry those two things. In order to understand this, you have to understand two words, and those words are point number one. Point number one, you have to understand belief and behavior. Belief and behavior. Your belief determines where you spend eternity. Your belief determines where you spend eternity. Your behavior determines how you spend eternity. And I'm gonna show you there are degrees of punishment in hell for unbelievers because God is a just God and he's gonna judge righteously. And there are degrees or levels of responsibility in heaven for believers. If you remember, Jesus said, to one, he's gonna say, you be ruler over five cities. To another, he said, you be ruler over 10 cities. And Jimmy preached a great uh, series on heaven in July, but do you realize there are gonna be cities in heaven? We're just gonna be floating around on clouds. There are gonna be cities. And by the way, someone's gonna to get to be the mayor. <laughs> and it's gonna be different than here on earth, you know, where they pay you $6 and everybody's mad at you for not paving their street. You know, it's gonna be different. Streets are already paved there and there's no sin nature. So there are levels of responsibility in heaven dependent upon how you live, how much responsibility you take on earth will be dependent upon the responsibility you have in heaven. So, but I want to establish, this is the whole thing of grace and works. Works, our behavior matters, whether you're lost or saved. Every person, unbelievers and believers, will be judged by their works. But your salvation is by grace alone. Your belief determines where you spend eternity. Let me just remind you of this scripture, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of yourselves. You responded to God's faith, but it's grace. It is the gift, and a gift is free because it's already been paid for. I mean, someone paid for the gift, but to you it's free. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I love the phrase, lest anyone should boast. No one in heaven is going to be saying, I got myself here. 
everyone is going to realize this is grace that I got here. This is the grace of God. I was lost, had no intention of coming to Christ, was going my own way, and God by his grace intervened. And I responded in faith and accepted his free gift. You follow me? So, but there are all these scriptures, so we're saved by grace, but there are all these scriptures on works and being judged by our works. Let me show you just a few. We'll get to 1 Corinthians 3 in a little while. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14. For God will bring every work. Well, you know, I don't do this often, but would you mind just saying the word every? every. Okay, how many is every? Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> every work into judgment including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Revelation 20, 13, the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged each. Would you mind saying the word each? Each one according to his works. Now, you might say, well, that's talking about unbelievers. Well, let me show you one's talking about believers. 1 Peter 1, 17, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work. Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, in awe, in reverence of God. Here's Jesus' own words, Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Revelation 22, 12, this is also Jesus speaking. It was in the book of Revelation. It's him speaking to John on the island of Patmos. This is in red in your Bible. This is the, in the last chapter of the Bible. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every one according to his work. Okay, are you an every? Are you an each? And he said, according to his work. What I'm telling you is it matters how you live. Now, let me say it again. Your belief determines where you spend eternity. Your behavior determines how you spend eternity. Now, all of us don't have perfect behavior. I mean, we're all, we're all uh, still make mistakes on this earth. So don't get too hung up on perfect behavior because you'll never get there. But let me say something. Your belief, though, determines your behavior. So there are people who say they believe in Jesus, but they've never lived for him. Please hear me. I don't think you really believe. I really don't. Because when you believe, the Bible says God gives you a new heart and you have a desire to turn from sin and to turn to God. You have a desire to follow God. You don't want to do those things. I'm not saying that you never fall, but you don't want to. You want to go a different way. If you still want to go do those things, there's something wrong. Your heart hasn't been changed. Your belief determines your behavior. This guy said to me one time, Pastor, I believe in tithing, I just don't do it. So I decided I would just kind of respond in kind. I said, well, I understand, I believe in bathing, I just don't do it. <clears throat> now, I, I do bathe, okay, but I, I was just joking with him, because it, it's ridiculous. If you believe something, you do it. So if you really believe that if you tithe, God opens the windows of heaven over your family and rebukes the devourer for your sake, then you do it. Amen. You just do it. But if you don't do it, it's because you don't believe what the Bible says. That's, that's clear. So our belief determines our behaviors, okay? 
So now I wanna show you the believer's judgment and the unbeliever's judgment. And many people don't realize why there are two judgments if, you're already, if it's already determined whether you're going to heaven or hell by your belief. Because at the believer's judgment, everybody's a believer. At the unbeliever's judgment, everybody's an unbeliever. So you say, well, why, there's a, why is there a judgment? Because your works are being judged. At each judgment. So point number two is the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. This is the believer's judgment. Let me show you some scriptures. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all, we must all, this is written to believers now, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each, I'm not gonna ask you to say it, just say it in your mind, that each one may receive the things done in the body. In other words, when you were on this earth, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, let me clarify something. We're not judged for our sins because Jesus already took our judgment. But we are judged for our works. And we will, according to the Bible, either receive a reward or lose a reward because of how we did it. Okay, so we'll talk about that in a moment. Romans 14, 10. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, this is, I told you to turn there if you wanted to, verse 10, we're gonna read five verses. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, this is Paul speaking, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. Now he's actually referring to you or to the Corinthian church here that he wrote to, or to believers. But let each one, each believer, take heed how he builds on it because these are people who've gotten saved now, accepted Christ. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the foundation is Jesus. People have accepted Jesus. But watch that you can build with two different types, categories of materials, temporal or eternal. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, those would go through the fire. But watch these three, wood, hay, straw. Those would be burned up, temporal. Each one's work will become clear. For the day, it's capitalized because it's referring to the judgment day or the second coming, either way. Either way, We'll declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. Receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. He loses the reward. Watch. But he himself, <laughs> this is grace, will be saved. Yet so as through fire. Okay, let me give you a little bit of information of the, this passage, all right? 1 Corinthians is the second letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians is the second letter. 2 Corinthians is the third letter. So you say, well, where's the first letter? I don't know. I think it went something like this. I think God saw it and said, uh, yeah, that's not getting in the Bible. <laughs> You're gonna try that, try it again. So. But we know 1 Corinthians is the second letter because six chapters begin with these words, now concerning, and he talks. And then when it begins in chapter seven, he says, now concerning the things you wrote to me. In other words, he wrote them a letter, then they wrote him back with questions. 
You see what I'm saying? And he's in his, in, in 1 Corinthians, he says, now concerning, now concerning, in other words, and he says very clearly, now concerning the things you wrote to me. And it starts in chapter seven. And there are two and seven, one and eight, one and 12, and two and 16. Okay, now concerning. And, and one place he actually says, in my earlier epistle, and, and an epistle is not the wife of an apostle. Okay. <laughs> an epistle is a letter. So in my earlier letter, so we know this is the second letter. Okay. But he's addressing some things because they're beginning to say, well, you know, I, I got saved by Apollos and Mike, so my foundation is Apollos and your foundation is Paul. And he says, nope, the foundation is Jesus. It doesn't matter who led you to Christ, the foundation is Jesus. But now you have a choice. That's my whole burden in this series, is you have a choice. You have a choice whether to accept Christ, and you have a choice whether you're gonna live for Christ or not. So you have a choice. He says, now, I'm telling you, you have a choice, because even though you have Jesus Christ as your foundation, you can do some things that are gonna last for all eternity, and you'll be rewarded, and you can do some things in your life that'll be burned up, yet by grace, you'll be saved, but you won't have any rewards in heaven. You won't have anything to show for your life here on this earth. Okay, so here's Jesus now saying the exact same thing almost. Matthew chapter six, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew six, verse one. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men, watch, to be seen by them. Okay, stop just for a moment. Many, many people have said, anytime you do something charitable, it needs to be anonymous. That's, that's fine. And they say, if it's not anonymous, you lose your reward. No, no, no. It's a matter of your heart. Notice he said, don't do your deeds, your charitable deeds to be seen. See, that's what he was addressing was your motive. So it's okay if you do something and other people know about it because God knows your heart. I remember joking years ago, Steve Doolin, my friend, gave something and then they made a big deal out of it, you know, and he was like, I guess I lost my reward in heaven. And he and I were both young in the Lord. We, we didn't know any better, you know, at the time. But he didn't lose his reward because he didn't do it to be seen. Are y'all following me? Even though the church made a big deal of his gift, you know. But he didn't do it to be seen. So if you, if you don't do it to be seen, you're going to get rewarded. That's what he's saying, all right? So don't do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward, if that's your motive, from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from them, from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. In other words, it's a temporal reward. It's only on this earth. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father, your father, who sees in secret, will himself... I love the himselves in the New Testament. Just read the himselves when it talks about the Father or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Will himself reward you openly? Okay, let me tell you what you just read that you might have missed. You are going to get to meet the Father one day personally. Personally. That's, that's pretty cool. In other words, the Father isn't just gonna, you know, there'll be like a billion people or two billion or whatever it is, and the Father is gonna walk out on stage. Well, he probably doesn't walk like that. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, you think about it. Okay, so, but the Father's gonna, you, it's not gonna be like this. He's not gonna walk out to like billions of people that are believers and say, 
y'all done good. And then, you know, walk back, you know, there, hey, that was the father. Did y'all all see the father? You know, no. And of course, you know, someone in the back will say, what'd he say? And the guy will say something like this. I think he said they need more wood. <laughs> no, the father himself will reward you openly in front of everyone else. What motivation to live a godly life and to serve our Lord on this earth because we're going to receive rewards. Let me show you a scripture that, that puzzles some unless you understand about that our works matter, okay? 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, this is written to believers, abide in him. Obviously, unbelievers could not abide in him. Abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence, watch this, now believers, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. That's pretty strong. How would a believer be ashamed? I can tell you how a believer would be ashamed because he's not living for Jesus. He's not laying his life down. He might realize, I, I, I wasted my life. I could have helped other people. I could have lived for Jesus, but I lived for myself. Even though I did believe that Jesus was the son of God and I walked with God some, I never really fully gave him everything. And they would be ashamed at his coming. So it matters how you live. I remember um, when I was growing up, I went to this baseball camp one summer for like a week or something. I think I stayed at home, but we'd go during the day and to this camp thing. And um, uh, I, I, just, I just goofed off the whole week. That's just kind of the way I was growing up. I didn't get saved, you know, until I was 19. So I just goofed off and I, I played pranks on people. And um, I started to tell you some of the pranks that I played, but I thought, no, that might give the young people ideas. So, <clears throat> but one of the pranks, <laughs> I'll just say involved firecrackers and a delayed fuse. So that's all I'm <laughs> gonna say, okay. But I goofed off all week. And then the last week we had this kind of banquet thing, the last night, and we walked in, and all against this wall were these tables, and it, they were just lined with trophies. And I remember thinking, y'all didn't tell me that there were trophies. If you'd told me there were trophies, I wouldn't have goofed off all week. I'd have won one of those trophies. See, many believers might think, I didn't know there were rewards. But none of you can think that because I'm telling you. And the Father himself is handing them out. <clears throat> so you need to understand belief and behavior, the judgment seat of Christ, and here's the third point, the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is for all unbelievers. Now I want to show you theologically why we call this the great white throne judgment, all right? Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne. <laughs> See, there's, a, there's this great white throne. <clears throat> so we call it the great white throne judgment. <clears throat> Not making fun of the Bible, I just, 
you know, that's just all theologians can come up with. Let's call it the great white throne. Okay. <clears throat> then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Now watch carefully. Watch the tense, tenses of these two words. And books, plural, so more than one, books were opened. And another book, singular, was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged, watch this, according to their works by the things which were written in the books. That tells you right there what was written in the books, works. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Okay, so it's real clear to see it's a, the book is the book of life. And the book, if you want to know what the book has in it, it has names. And if your name is written in the book of life, you go to heaven. If it's not, you don't go to heaven. And all of us would say, well, I want my name written in the book of life. It's great, except Jesus Christ is your Savior. Whosoever will. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and your name's written in the book of life. But then there are books, plural, because there's more than just names. It's works. And you're judged at the great white throne judgment by the works, by the, what's written in the books. It's very important to understand this. So, um, am I saying then that there are degrees of punishment in hell? Yes, I am. In the same way that there are levels of responsibility in heaven. So let me, let me ask you a question, because God's a righteous judge. <clears throat> will a man, a believer, let's talk a believer, will a believer who is saved but doesn't tithe, doesn't witness, uh, doesn't serve, uh, doesn't really do anything to build the kingdom on this earth, will he receive the same rewards as the believer who tithes, loves, serves, uh, wins people to Christ? Will he receive the same rewards? No, of course not. Then we wouldn't have a righteous God. See, he gives to each according to his works. Are y'all following this? It's really easy. He gives to each according to his works. That's God. But we're saved by grace. Okay, so I asked you about believers. Let's talk about unbelievers a minute. Well, an unbeliever, an unbelieving man, let's say, who is a, he's, a, he's a good guy. I mean, he, he doesn't do all these big, huge, sinful things, but he just obstinately and defiantly says, I'm not going to give my life to Jesus Christ. I don't believe in religion. I'm an atheist or an agnostic. And people share with him. He says, no, I'm a, I'm a self-made man. Religion's a crutch. I don't need Jesus. Okay, so he goes to hell. He's going to go to hell without Christ. But... Will he receive the same punishment as Adolf Hitler? No. Adolf Hitler killed six million Jews. And God's a just God. And Adolf Hitler will be recompensed, repaid for the deeds he did. That's a just God. Now, you might say, well, you mean the believer just gets off scot-free? How can God, how's that just? It's simple, because God repaid Jesus Christ for all of your sins. Jesus took your sins on the cross. <clears throat> if you believe, because if you're sitting there thinking, well, that's not fair, it is fair, because you can accept Jesus. It's completely just. 
you can accept Jesus Christ. So let me show you degrees of judgment, degrees of torment for those who don't accept Christ, all right? In Jesus' own words. Matthew 11, verse 21. Woe to you, Chorazin, this is a city. Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works, remember these words, mighty works, we'll come back to them, which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. This is Jesus talking, and he could never lie. They would have repented. In other words, my Father and I and the Holy Spirit, we know all hearts. We know who's going to repent and who's not. They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be, watch these two words, more tolerable. More tolerable. More lenient is what this means in the Greek, in the Greek or less suffering. It'll be more lenient. It'll be less suffering for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. Do y'all see Jesus said that? If it's all the same for unbelievers, then how could it be more tolerable for these than for these? And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades, for if the mighty works, remember, we gotta figure out what mighty works he's talking about, which were done in you had been done in Sodom. This is amazing. Do you remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Everyone remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Jesus said, if they'd been done in Sodom, watch, watch what Jesus said. It would have remained until this day. In other words, my father and I would not have destroyed it they, because they would have repented. That's the implication. But I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. You see that? By the way, that's one of the most shocking scriptures I've ever seen. Okay, so he said, if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, they would have repented. And he's talking to Capernaum now, all right? So, and he talks to Chorazin and Bethsaida. So these three cities make up the evangelical triangles, what the theology we call these, okay? The evangelical triangle, why? Because Jesus did most of his miracles, most of his mighty works in these three cities. Now this isn't us um, as theologians just supposing that must be what he meant. Let me show you the scripture. I saved it. I started at verse 21. We're gonna back up, look at verse 20. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done. So, so that's, that's just not someone's opinion. That's the Bible. Most of his works were done in Capernaum and then Chorazin and then Bethsaida. So it forms a little triangle. So it's not an equilateral triangle, but it forms a triangle. Let me just say it this way. You've heard of the Bermuda Triangle? And it's easy to get lost in the Bermuda Triangle. Jesus is saying it would have been easy to get saved in the Evangelical Triangle. And here's what he's saying. If the mighty works have been done, which he did, which Jesus did, here's what he's saying. I came into your city and did miracles and preached the gospel and you didn't repent. You, you heard me and saw me and didn't repent. And I'm telling you, if I had gone to Sodom, they would have repented. Therefore, your judgment is going to be more strict than their judgment. Are, are y'all following me? Pretty clear in Scripture. Let me show you another Scripture. Romans 2, verse 5. But in, in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, this means not repentant, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous. It's a righteous judgment of God. In other words, I'm going to judge righteously 
But he said, let me tell you what you're doing. You are treasuring up for yourself wrath. By the way, do you remember what he told believers? Treasure up, store up for yourself treasure for yourself. In other words, he's saying you're going to need it in heaven. We don't need it because our asphalt is gold. We don't need your treasure, but when you get to heaven, you're going to need your treasure. You realize some of you aren't going to have any money when you get to heaven because you put more in your IRA than your ERA, your eternal retirement account. I love the, the story of a rich man that died and the, someone asked the pastor, you know how much he left? The pastor said, all. <laughs> he left the same amount that everybody leaves. He left all of it. You don't carry any of what you have on this earth to heaven, but you can send it on ahead. And Jesus actually said, you better send it on ahead because you're going to need it when you get there because there are cities. We're going to do business in heaven. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. But in the same way that believers can store up treasure, unbelievers can store up wrath because God comes to them over and over and over again and they refuse Jesus Christ. So this is all through Scripture. By the way, this is a tough Scripture. <clears throat> will some believers, will some believers, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but will some believers receive a stricter judgment? Yes. And let me tell you one that you know that will receive a stricter judgment. I will. And I think about this all the time. Not for my salvation, but for what I teach. James 3 verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a what? A stricter judgment. I, hopefully none of you are thinking, you know, I was thinking about volunteering to be a teacher. But <clears throat> <laughs> so I told you about, I went to the baseball, baseball camp and had I have known that, you know, that they were given rewards, I would have done something differently. Okay, let me tell you kind of on the other side of that spectrum too. So when I was a kid, I hung out at the skating rink. <laughs> hey, Y'all are laughing, but how many of you hung out at the skating rink? See, look at all the old people. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so I hung out. That's where that's all we that's all we had. Okay, that's all we had. So, you know, so I hung out at the skating rink. So my father took me. By the way, my parents are actually here. My parents have moved to this area. They're seated right there. So they moved this area and are coming to Gateway Church. <clears throat> No asking them questions about me growing up. That's B.C., before Christ. <laughs> Under the blood, okay? All right. So, so my father took me to the skating rink. I was 13 years old or something, you know, 12, 13, 14, I don't know. That's about when I started kind of going astray. He knew that I was starting to hang out with the wrong crowd, so he drops me off, then he circles back around sneaks into that dark skating rink and sits in the corner and watches me all night. So when he picks me up, he says to me, did you uh, smoke any cigarettes tonight? I said, no, sir. I said, I was around people that smoked, so you probably smell it on me, but, but I didn't smoke. 
So he said, well, I drove around, snuck in and watched you, and I saw you smoke a cigarette. I said, I remember now. Um, <laughs> I, I remember. Um, I tried one, but I didn't like it, Dad. I didn't like it. He said, I watched you smoke two cigarettes. Yep, I remember it now. I, I, you're, it's jogging my memory, I remember. Um, there, another time, they kind of dared me. You know how you've told me to, you know, not run away from a fight, stand up, and, you know, and so they were calling me a coward and all, and so that was the only reason, though, that, that, I, that I smoked two tonight. He said, I watched you smoke seven. <laughs> and then he punished me for every cigarette I smoked and for lying. If I had known that the Father was watching me. Are you hearing me? According to the Bible, the Father is watching. And he's going to reward and he's going to punish. But now listen to me, two judgments. Here's the great news. You get to choose which judgment you attend. But every person is going to be judged. But you get to choose whether you attend the judgment seat of Christ as a believer or you attend the great white throne judgment as an unbeliever and you're sentenced to eternity in hell. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Now, I want you to just take a moment, just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? And I know God's going to speak to all of us. I know many believers here are thinking, you know, I really do want to live for God and love and serve and give and things like that. And you can make that commitment with the Lord. But I'm really concerned about every person. Not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. You, you believe in Jesus, but it might just be in your mind. And you really haven't committed your life to him, given your heart to him. I'm asking you to do that today. And you can do it right now. And if you're feeling drawn right now to do this, you're being drawn by the Holy Spirit. You want to know why? Because he doesn't want you at the great white throne judgment. He wants you to accept the free gift of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But you need to do it in your heart. It doesn't matter if you grew up in a Christian home or you walked down the aisle when you were a kid or if you were baptized as a baby. You personally need to make an adult decision that you're going to follow Jesus Christ. You're going to turn your will over to Jesus. You have a will and you can choose whether you, you're gonna believe and follow Jesus or not. So I'm asking you to do it right now. I'm, I'll help you, I'll just lead you in a prayer. If that's you, you just say, dear God, please forgive me. Tell him that for all of my sins. And I receive Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me today.